water, but you don't know what you're talking about. And you say, I know better, but you don't know what you're talking about. And you say, Welcome to WKJP News Radio, the podcast that talks about the 90s sitcom News Radio, one episode at a time, at least until a better offer comes along. There will be no more offers. <laughs> there never was a single offer. There was the offer to me from you that said, do you want to make a podcast? And I said, okay. <laughs> and here we are. And here we are. Six months later. There will not be a better offer. <laughs> Today we'll be talking about season two, episode eight, entitled Negotiation. Kayleen, I like to ask at the top, how you doing? I'm fine. I'm always fine. It's the Midwest. That's what you're supposed to say. Mm-hmm. We're good. It's like a week and a half till Christmas. Got five more presents in the mail today. I hate wrapping them. Yeah, I've noticed we haven't wrapped any nope. of them yet. <laughs> we have nothing under our tree. We okay. put our tree up the day after Thanksgiving and there's nothing under it. Yeah, the kids aren't complaining or anything. I just like, well, I don't know if there's a convention about when the presents start to appear under the tree. I feel like we can't put any under there. No, because of the two-year-old. Yeah, yeah. I know. Because yeah. he'll open it. So yeah. I'm kind of like, well, it'll just be the Christmas magic. Yeah. There'll be none. And then there's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's fine. So I'm good. Ho, I, ho, ho. That's the spirit. <laughs> I like to ask at the top, what have you been watching lately? Um, I finished The Great British Baking Show. How was it? Oh, charming. Mm-hmm. Delightful. An Italian man won. Mm. His name was Giuseppe. I mean... Do they have to be British citizens? I don't know. Like, could I, I go I on The Great British Baking so. Show? I mean, I don't know. Pe- people from other countries go on America's Got Talent. Mm. That so. seems wrong. Yeah, hmm. I don't know. I don't know how that works. If I went on it, it would turn it into nailed it. All you can make is grilled cheese. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'd blow their minds with my grilled cheese. Yeah, you would make it on nailed it. That would be about. That'd be about right. But the problem is, <laughs> you would start swearing. <laughs> you would be. You would swear so much. There's no way that they'd be able to air it. It's supposed to be a family show. Like. Why do I do this? God, why is it working? I can't do this. The only thing is 10 minutes. This is ridiculous. What does this direction even mean? I mean, you know I'm not wrong. Yeah, I'm great in the kitchen. You're terrible. <laughs> but that's okay. Um, what have I been watching? I finished the British baking show. I watched an episode of Shark Tank this week. Um, we watched some more episodes of The Wheel of Time. I mean, you watched, I sat through it. It was really You cute. were enthralled, I was along. <laughs> it was really cute because I kept, like, saying things like, oh, I wonder why they're, oh, that's interesting, or, oh, look at that, oh, that's cool the way they've done that. And then at one point you said, am I supposed to be listening to you? Are, are you talking to me? <laughs> yeah, I, I, it was sincere, like, I didn't know, like, I'm like, is he talking to himself or is he talking to me? Like, I don't want to be rude, but I don't think what's coming out of your mouth is meant for my ears right now. <laughs> It was mostly me talking to myself, but I, it's a weird gray area because I also want someone to hear it. Yep. That's my ears. Yeah. That's their job. <laughs> so I was there. Yep. Um, I mean, it's fine. It's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. It's whatever. Yeah. Oh, well, this is not good, but <laughs> a lot of what I watch isn't good. Good. Uh, so I did watch Tiger King, like the new season, season two. No, so there's Tiger King season one, which came out like during the 
you know, quarantine and everybody watched. I watched it then. Um, season two of Tiger King came out a little while ago, and I think I watched a little bit of it, and I just didn't... It wasn't that good. Okay. But they made another, like, sort of spin-off documentary about another one of the guys. There's, like, a whole mess of dudes down there that all are into weird big cat stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's around one of the other guys named Doc Antle, who's... Antle, I think is his last name, something like that, who basically had a cult in, like, mm-hmm. the 70s and 80s. And it wasn't around religion. It's a, It was kind of around, like... You're going to come to my compound. You're going to take care of these big cats. I'm not going to pay you. I'm going to feed you rice and beans. Mm -hmm. You're going to have sex with me. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be 14, which is, yeah. And, like, this is a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. We, like, live and we take care of these cats. And this is how we are. And there is no leaving. And very emotionally manipulative and whatever. So, I watched a few episodes of that because that was kind of interesting wasn't good but i consumed it with my eyeballs Mm -hmm. that's about it i feel like i haven't been watching that much Hmm. thomas thomas the train (laughs) yep our two-year-old almost two-year-old has turned the corner and uh, is into thomas now yeah great watching some thomas it's it's adorable it's It's so charming so i've got three things okay and you can talk about at least two of them okay all three are Christmas-related. I was going to say, I know we've watched some Christmas stuff together as a family. It's worth talking about. Yeah. So the one that's not family-related is you and I watched a movie called 8-Bit Christmas the other night. Oh, yeah. Surprisingly good. Surprisingly good. We watched that yeah. on HBO Max, and it's uh, Neil Patrick Harris basically uh, telling his daughter the story of how he got a Nintendo for Christmas in the late 80s. And so it's kind of goes back and forth between him telling the story and it being acted out by kids. All of the kid actors actually were pretty decent. Pretty decent, yeah. Yeah, I mean, some were kind of annoying, but Mm -hmm. yeah, really cute. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Like, I kept waiting for it to kind of get stupid. It got a little schmaltzy at the end, Mm -hmm. but that's okay. It's a Christmas movie. Yeah, if it wasn't sentimental at all, that would have felt wrong as well. Right. I do feel like they kind of backloaded some of the sentimentality. Yeah. But yeah, it was really cute. Mm-hmm. I would recommend it. It's it's perfect for our age bracket. Yes. I mean, it is straight up kids who were raised in the late 80s, early 90s, mm-hmm. wanted the Nintendo remember when that came out. Like, it was for our age group. Mm-hmm. So, yep, that helps. The other one, speaking of Netflix, because you were talking about Tiger King, uh, our oldest and I have been watching... The Grinch, which is a Netflix 3D animated movie that came out a few years ago. I don't know that it's still on Netflix, so we bought the Blu-ray. But it's he, cute. Yeah, it is cute. Um, you know, I've got my quibbles with it or whatever, but like all in all for a kid's movie and an adaptation of The Grinch, it's pretty good. Oh, absolutely. Well, can think the one with Jim Carrey is terrible. Terrible, yeah. Right. And, and like the classic one is good, but it's it is what it is. Yeah, exactly. We have that one too, yeah. which you probably should watch. Yeah. But I like this one, Benedict Cumberbatch as the Grinch. Oh, yeah. I guess I didn't put that together, but yeah. Yeah, and uh, his dog Max is really funny. He's just... It, yes. The uh, facial expressions that they animate and the physical comedy are really good. So. Yeah. It's, yeah. The animation is really good, mm-hmm. too. It doesn't feel cheap. It does not, no. Yeah, it doesn't feel cheap, doesn't feel gross, mm-hmm. doesn't feel, like, creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Betty White is the mayor. 
Oh, I didn't put that together either. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, two of three. And the last one is... Come on, Kayleen, we just watched it tonight. I know, I was going to say, are we going to talk about what we watched tonight? Uh, yeah, I think we need to. The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus, the Rankin-Bass, little-known classic from yeah. my childhood. Mm-hmm. From 1985. I love that movie, and I introduced it to you when we were just starting to date. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, we watched it in, like, snippets on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Like, yep. I, I was like, oh, I have to show you this, like, claymation movie from the my early childhood that I remember watching and really liking. And we found snippets of it and watched it, and we just laughed and laughed. And then I found it on DVD, and I bought it years ago. Listener, you either know what we're talking about oh, or yeah. you have no idea what we're talking Probably about. Probably you have no idea. Probably not. This is a Rankin-Bass stop-motion animation from the mid-80s that's a retelling of an L. Frank Baum story set in the Wizard of Oz universe that's all about how Santa Claus it's, came to be. It's but Santa's it's nuts. Or, yeah, it's Santa's origin story. Right, because we were all wondering... <laughs> But it's, well, I mean, but it's not like, oh, there was a Turkish, you know, priest in the 1300s. It was like there was a baby who was abandoned in, in a snowbank, in a snowbank in the forest of Burzee. Yeah. And it was adopted by Shiegra, the lioness. And uh. <laughs> they have to fight the king of the Aguas. And it's a whole hallucinogenic nightmare. <laughs> but it's, it's great. <laughs> they bestow upon him the mantle of immortality. Immortality. And it's it's musical. It's yep, there's songs. There's songs. I mean, if you like the Rankin Bass, you know, Claymation, Frosty the Snowman, mm-hmm. and Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, like it's in that same vein. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we try to watch that every Christmas and uh, it's, I love it. It's pretty worth it. Yeah, it's it's fun. I don't know if you can find it on YouTube. I'm sure it's not streaming on anything. It's a very... No, we bought a DVD of it a few years ago, and that's what we watch. I feel like it came on what's one of those TV channels. It's like... The holiday lineup plays a bunch of... holiday lineup on like... TBS. TBS or... I don't know. ABC uh, Family. ABC Family. I don't think ABC would play this. I don't know. It's, (laughs) It's pretty weird. But yeah. it's, it's fun. So if you're looking for holiday movies, there you go. There's three different... Uh, Our kids liked it. Yeah. They watched it with us. Oh, yeah. The the older one was riveted. Go, Shiegra! Go, Shiegra! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they fight a dragon at the end. I know. <laughs> it's great. Yep. So I have a new segment I want to debut. Oh, my. The problem is that you and I are married and spend a lot of time together in general, so we don't always have new things to talk about in the what-have-you-been-watching department. Sure. Tonight was pretty good, but we often don't. So I would like to start a new segment, and I maybe need your help thinking of a name. Okay. But I want to ask you a question about TV. And just every week I'm going to ask you a different question just for conversation's sake. Great. So the one I want to ask is, what was the first TV show you really loved? Um. Do you want to think and I'll go first? Sure, you go. I was thinking about this and I think there are some that I really liked as a little kid. One that I really got attached to. When I was, I guess, eight, nine, was Doug. 
I don't know if you're familiar mm-hmm. with that show oh, yeah. on Nickelodeon. Yeah, I just really liked Doug. Did, wasn't there a character with the last name Pickles? Uh, no, you're thinking of Rugrats. They were the oh. Pickles family. What's the girl's name in Doug? She was Patty Mayonnaise. Mayonnaise. I was like, I knew it was some food. <laughs> yeah, no, that's totally fair. Yeah, I just really identified with Doug, and I just you liked are. that little world. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. You're kind of a dog. Sure. I take that as a compliment. Yeah. But after that, the first one that I really latched onto was The Simpsons when I was 10-ish, yeah. 11-ish. Yeah. And that was the first one where I really got obsessive about making sure I watched the two syndicated episodes that right. were on every yeah. day after yeah. school and that sort of thing. So the first television shows that I remember being aware of and like I want to watch them are Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. I remember them being on, like, Mm back-to-back. And I remember being like, I'm going to sit down to watch. Like, these are the shows for me now. Appointment viewing. Kind of, yeah. Because, like, I mean, I remember growing up, we had a TV that had a remote control that had five buttons. (laughs) Power, channel up, channel down, volume up, volume down. And the channels we had were two, four, five, nine, and 11. Mm-hmm. And I still remember like channel two was PBS. Channel 11 was uh, NBC. Like mm-hmm. I still remember that, like, sure. you know, and most of the shows were not for me. Yep. So I remember like Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers neighborhood, like at my daycare, we, all the little kids would gather around and we would sit and we would, that was the show we would watch. So I don't know if that exactly counts, but I, I have a clear memory of really enjoying America's Funniest Home Videos. Mm. Like, that was a show that, like, my family would watch together. We all knew when it was going to be on. Like, we would sit down and watch that together. Sunday nights, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, that was a thing. I, I think I told you before, I have a memory of my mom making tacos one night. <laughs> Did I ever tell you this no. story? <laughs> I had a pink plate. Uh-huh. It was like my plate that I used. I was upstairs in our kitchen, like getting my tacos. And my brother was downstairs and like you could see the TV downstairs from our kitchen. And yeah. like it was back on. And I remember yelling like, it's back on. And I ran like and I fell down the stairs holding my tacos on the plate. <laughs> and the tacos stayed on the plate. I still remember. Oh, wow. Yeah, I had two hard shell tacos with just meat and cheese. And I fell like... And I held my plate out, like, in front of me, and I fell down the stairs, but I was fine, and I remember getting back up, because it was back on. Oh, that's really funny. Yeah, I have a very clear memory of that. In that same vein, like, I remember on that same age, I feel like I really liked Full House. Mm -hmm. Like, that was one that I wanted to see when it came on, in that, like, TJF lineup of, like, Full House and Step by Step and Family Matters. Like, that... Was the thing that I think it was Thursday nights? Mm-hmm. No, Friday nights. Well, Friday night, yeah. Right. Which is funny because they would never do a Friday night lineup like that now, I feel mm-hmm. like. Because I know. People aren't home on Friday night. They often call it now the Friday night death slot. Um, that might be a little bit old, actually, but like sure. the whole point being like most people are not home yeah. watching TV. Well, I mean, if you think about like those shows, those shows were not for people in their 20s. Because no. people in their 20s are going out to bars yes. and drinking. Those were shows that families could watch yes. with their children before they went to bed. Kids and parents. And they could stay up late. Like, yep. It totally makes sense. But yeah. yeah, and then as I got a little bit older, Friends. Okay. Like in like junior high, high school, I remember Friends being a show. Like, I need to see the newest episode of Friends. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. And Simpsons. Yeah. For sure. Yep. Oh, yeah. Like... 
I'm always a little suspicious of people our age who don't have any relationship to The Simpsons. Like, it's just <laughs> such a touchstone in my brain. Sure. Uh, that it's, I just assume that they're not funny. Yeah, I kind of do, you too. You know, like, if you... I don't think you're a bad person, but I'm like, if you never got into The Simpsons when you're our... Like, if you're our age and you never got into The Simpsons, I'm like, either you had some barrier of, like, your family didn't have a TV yeah. or whatever... Or, like, you you could have watched it and you didn't like it, yeah. in which case I don't think you and I have the same sense of humor. Yeah. I can imagine somebody having kind of a weird hurdle to get over. Like, some people are just not animation people, and I sure. can understand that and, like, respect that. That's fine. Like, they're weird-looking, especially they were very weird-looking early on, like the yellow skin yeah. and all that. Like, I could understand if that was off-putting to you, but, like... No, it's just such a fundamental thing that, like, mm-hmm. it's, you know, a huge part of the pie chart of, like, humor in my brain. <laughs> it's, like, just yeah. The Simpsons. Or maybe, like, it's the trunk of the tree <laughs> of humor in my brain. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Good question. Yeah. So, if you have a question you would like to hear us discuss, feel free to reach out to us on social media and definitely provide your answer as well. We'd love to hear what the first TV show you really loved was, and we would love to hear some more question suggestions from you. I have have a question for you next time. All right, great. Should we get into the news radio episode? Let's go. Let's do it. All right. This is Negotiation. It first aired November 21st, 1995. It was written by Don DeKaiser. And it was directed by Leonard R. Garner Jr. The synopsis is, Matthew receives a meaningless promotion, and his efforts to organize the station are sabotaged by Bill. Lisa tries to find another job, giving a screen test interviewing Anthrax for MTV. Mr. James begins his search for a wife using business tactics, starting with a list of 36 women. Yeah, there are three plots in this one. Yeah, three very evenly balanced plots. Mm -hmm. I would not really call any one of them the A plot. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right. In the first scene, we open on a staff meeting at the conference table. Matthew is wearing a really, really ugly sweater over a red turtleneck. I said it looks itchy and boxy. Uh, It's also interesting. This episode is one day. Yeah, The whole episode is just one day. Oh, that's a good point as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, So Matthew has been given a promotion to coordinating producer, but he wants to let everyone know that he's still the same old Matthew. Uh, I pointed this out to you when we were watching it just a few minutes ago, but Bill was playing with a weird ping pong paddle toy, uh, and then he, like, sets it down in the first ten seconds of the show, and then it's it's not anything ever. It feels like something that, like, Phil Hartman was just like, ah, this is around, it doesn't matter, I'm just gonna see if I can get away with (laughs) Yeah. Holding this thing or whatever. Yeah. uh, Strange. Mr. James announces that he's planning to get married, but it turns out he actually doesn't know who he's getting married to yet. So he has a list of 36 eligible ladies, ranked by things like intelligence, looks, social graces, all that good crap. Catherine thinks this list is disgusting, so he crosses her off. She would be a catch for him. Oh, yeah. But she would never put up with him. Oh, no, no. All right, in the next scene, Lisa slumps into Dave's office. She asks, coordinating producer with just dripping with disdain. Dave says that Matthew's been here for four years, so it was either a gold watch or a meaningless title. I think that's kind of weird. I thought the gold watch was like 30 years. 
Yeah, also four is a really random number. You don't get anything for four. No, I don't. That didn't quite make sense. Uh, Apparently it's vaguely Christmas time because there's a Santa on Dave's coffee table and there's kind of little Christmas decorations throughout the office. Yeah, I wrote that um, Matthew has a menorah on his desk. He does. He's got that. And then he's also got like a string of lights that have like Santas and snowmen. Yes. He also has a bunch of vitamin bottles on his desk. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah. There's like pill bottles on his desk. Yep. I think that's a staple. Yeah, I figured. I figured. I'm sure that's a character choice. Yep. So Lisa's kind of miserable at this time of year. She and Dave compare their parents' Christmas letters. Lisa's mom goes all out and does it basically professionally, whereas Dave's mom puts the kids' faces on reindeer bodies, which is really cute. We find out that Lisa has at least three high-achieving brothers. She is the supervising producer at the number two radio station in New York, but one of her brothers is the press liaison for the state of Pennsylvania. Another is chief resident at Mass General, and the younger sold a computer game to Microsoft at only 23 years old. Uh, Super Karate Monkey Death Car. Uh, This does answer the question that we had last week about what was the listenership of WNYX. Oh, sure, the second most popular, Mm -hmm. yeah. Second most popular radio station in the biggest city in America. Mm -hmm. Oh, Lisa, good, 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 good. Um, Listen... I've decided to uh, re-coordinate your duties for the day. <laughs> Have you, Matthew? Oh, come on. Don't get me wrong. I'm very pleased with your work. <laughs> you do good work. It's just that, uh, well, David and I would like to see it coordinated a little bit better. <laughs> it's all right here. Matthew, your, your promotion, it doesn't really put you in charge of Lisa. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Embarrassing, I see. <laughs> For more like uh, equals then. No, it's more like she's still your superior. <laughs> so the title's more like a figurehead thing then? Oh, what are you going to do next? Make me Queen of England? <laughs> no, I was thinking Marquis de la Supply Closet. In the next scene, Matthew is handing out memos about the new system. You can see Bill decide to mess with Matthew by pretending to buy into his new position. At the very beginning in the first scene, he directly like butts up against Matthew and tells him nobody cares about his new position. But here you can see he's decided to take a different right. tack. It feels like a Dwight and Jim type of relationship. Mm. Even like the made up title thing feels very much like the office. Very much so. This is, yeah. this is a part of the office's DNA that I believe comes from news radio. Mm. Like I think there is a lineage there. Mm. I mean, they're both NBC sitcoms mm-hmm. and the end of news radio is only four or five years before the beginning of The Office. Mm. So this is where Mr. James brings in Melanie, who's some sort of financial analyst. Melanie is played by Natalia Nagulich. Um, Do you recognize her from anything? No. Okay. She has been kind of a character actor (laughs) working for like 30 years. So she's been in a bunch of things. There are a couple that you might recognize her from. I'm just going to text you (laughs) a couple of photos. So one of the things that she is in that you might recognize her from, that's the first photo, very appropriate for this time of year, which is she is the wife of the oh, boss yeah. in Christmas Vacation. Yeah. She's credited as Mrs. Shirley. She has a very distinctive, like, pointy face. And so, like, once you recognize, oh, that's her. <laughs> it's her nose. Yes. Um, and, her, and, the, and her eyebrows as well. So, yeah, that first picture, that's her <laughs> as the wife of the boss. The second one, she was an admiral on Star Trek The Next Generation, 
and Star Trek Deep Space Nine. I don't really remember her, but she was in several episodes and two different series. And then the third, I want to know if you recognize, she was a character named Berta on Fuller House. I know that you watched some of oh, Fuller House. I wondered if this... I didn't really pay attention when I watched it, though. You know what I mean? It was like, one of those things where you're, like, carrying around your laptop and, like, doing chores. And yes. And it's kind of playing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've just read that there are five seasons of Fuller House. That might be true. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it I, was quite popular. Not in... Not with people I know, but... I just couldn't believe that it went on that long. But this... She might have, like, shown up in a later season. I have no what idea. I could tell. So, anyway... Yeah, so she's been in a bunch of different things. So Mr. James lets everybody know, including Joe, that Melanie is one of his prospects. I, I do like the way he says, well, there it is. I read that they're making Tim Allen noises. They absolutely are. Is, yep. But I don't know timing-wise, like, if this show came out around the same time or before or after Home Improvement, but it definitely has that feeling. Yeah, this is, like, dead in the middle of um, Home Improvement. Right. I want to say Home Improvement premiered in, like, 92 or 93. Sure. So it had been going for a few years. Okay. So, yeah, that's mm. that's about right. So Mr. James wants to uh, get this thing closed by 5 o'clock, um, but it turns out he has no idea how to talk to her. It's kind of cute watching him. Like, as a guy who seems to always be very sure of himself, to see him clearly not know what to say or do is kind of cute. Yeah, I think so, too. Catherine says that Mr. James can't just approach her and ask her to get married. He has to woo her. And Joe thinks that means yelling woo at her. God. It's kind of a funny wordplay. Sure. Uh, yeah. Lisa comes into Dave's office in a good mood. She has decided to start looking for a new job. She just wants to explore her options and feel like she's making some progress. Uh, Dave tells her that progress isn't all it's cracked up to be, according to some, namely the Unabomber. It's the mid-90s, and I mentioned right. a few episodes ago that the Unabomber is kind of a recurring joke on this show. Mm. <laughs> Bill asks whether Matthew is superior to him. Query, I recognized. Is Matthew superior to me? Do you mean genetically? <laughs> no, I mean in this office. No. Good. How about genetically? Well, he is ambidextrous. Freak. I did feel like Lisa is so melodramatic in this episode. Like, she has her head on her desk. Like, she's so... And, like, this is all coming from a Christmas letter yeah. that her mom wrote. I just wrote, like... I think it's probably just this time of year, too. Maybe exemplified by the Christmas letter, but not, like, maybe, wholly attributable to the Christmas but letter. it just feels like this is such a, um impulsive thing to do mm. in one day to be, like, I'm having an existential crisis about my career. And, like, how old do we think she is? Like... 30? Early 30s. Right. Like, yeah, maybe you're at that time where you're like, okay, sh I should be getting married, having babies, being established. I'm not really sure. But like in one day she goes from, I'm miserable, my head down on my desk, I can't go on to, it's almost manic excitement about like, well, maybe I'll leave jobs or I'm going to try something new. And then she just gets an interview, like the same, again, the same day feels like, what is, what, what is this? Narratively convenient. Yes. Yeah. So Matthew reveals his big board, which <laughs> shows the flow of communication through the office. I think it's kind of funny that he's decided to, like, just completely reconfigure everything, even though this promotion is totally a meaningless title. I think I just, I could totally relate to Matthew in this episode. I would have done the exact same thing. Yeah. That's just my way my brain works. I would have been like, 
I'm doing coordination. Okay, mm-hmm. what are all the ways that we do coordination in this office and how can I improve coordination? I can yeah. make a board and I'm a visual person, so I could da 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 da. And then to have everyone be like, this is useless and meaningless. <laughs> like, oh, never mind. Oh. Like, hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's definitely a distinction between things that feel good to like organize and present in a pleasing visual way versus like, does anybody else actually benefit from this right, thing? Right. So Matthew gets frustrated when somebody, we know it's Bill, but he doesn't know, is tampering with the big board and with his supplies. Uh, And then Bill goes on to stoke Matthew's paranoia concerning Lisa, suggesting that she's not happy with his new promotion and she's trying to sabotage him. Things keep moving from there in each of the subplots. Beth sets up a lunch between Mr. James and Melanie. Lisa has a job interview. Uh, Bill gives... Dave the cards and pins it on him, uh, making Matthew think that Dave is threatened by his new position. Which is ironic, because Dave is the one who promoted him. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah. I do like the line. Look, if you're feeling threatened by my new position, just say so, okay? Because I'm under enough pressure as it is. Matthew, you, you ever play 52 Pickup? No, that sounds like fun. Sometimes you make me sad. (laughs) In the next scene, Lisa has a screen test at MTV News. She doesn't want to tell Dave what it is in order not to jinx it, but Beth gives it away because she wants to know whether Kennedy's glasses are real or fake like Lisa Loeb's. Did you get that reference? That is a lot of 90s references all packed together. So I know. I know Lisa Loeb. Yeah. I think Lisa Loeb's glasses are real, aren't they? I would assume so. She's worn them, like, forever, but I guess I don't know. They're, like, they're her look. I know, the cat eye glasses. Yeah, I thought so, too. Do you know Kennedy, the VJ? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. If anything, I would have thought hers were fake. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, lots of references flying. (laughs) Kurt Loder, Tabitha Soren, um, VJs in general. Dave kind of suppresses his delight and tells her that he thinks she's going to do great, um, but does ask her, uh, can I ask you something? Do you ever watch MTV? And there's a smash cut to Lisa filling in for Tabitha Soren interviewing Anthrax. Uh, this is a different kind of humor for this show because the humor here is very The Office, very cringy. Like, mm. you're watching her, like, eat it. Yeah. <laughs> and you're watching her do terrible interviewing a thrash she's, band. She's just not prepared. Just completely out of her element. Right. And so that's part of it. I thought the guys in Anthrax do a fine job yeah. of, like, giving her shit. I liked looking at the set. I, like, watching that, I was like, oh, this is oh like... Oh, my this, God. It really is like... Yeah, that's how they would interview in, like, this super laid back... It's, like, almost like your grandma's basement <laughs> has random stuff in it. Or, Absolutely. Yes, there's a know. leopard print chair that she's yeah. sitting on and then yeah. there's like a like a doll's head yeah. on the table next to her. Just kind of like random like stuff around. Junk. It's like we're just laid back hanging out. Like <laughs> yes. she'd be like passing a joint around. Yeah. Like I think the band's even like sitting on some amplifiers. Yeah. It's it's really yeah. weird. Uh there's also reference to Dimebag Daryl of the band Pantera. Right. Pantera. Um, and reference to things like grunge, industrial. So, yeah. This is maybe the 90s thing that has happened yet on this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
In the next scene, Matthew feels bad that his little office power play has forced Lisa out. He thinks she's looking for a new job because of his promotion. Bill has taped Matthew's colorful 3x5 cards to his back, spelling out spaz, which we see in a visual gag when he's looking at his big board. Mr. James comes back from the lunch with Melanie. Apparently all they did was make small talk. Uh, Bill suggests that the move here is to whisper the dirtiest thing he can think of in her ear, and if she doesn't slap him, then he's golden. Not cool in 2021. <laughs> no. So, Mr. James decides to do it his own way. He walks up to her and says, Melanie, I'm single, you're single. What do you say we get married? And the patter between them right here is good enough that I'm just going to drop it in. Well, I'm glad you finally decided on the direct approach. Yeah, well, I'm a businessman at heart. As am I. What's your offer? Single rich male seeks matrimony. Primary residence? Westchester County. Would you be open to considering a secondary residence in Manhattan? Central Park West. South. Done. <laughs> Time spent together? Eight hours, five days a week. Seven hours, 12 hours weekends. 55 hours aggregate, specifics to be determined later. I'm amenable to that, children. One. Three. Two. Done. <laughs> but one of them has to be a male. I'll see what I can do. Vacation. December, Hawaii. June, the vineyard. June fine, but Hawaii. Nope, the vineyard. Is that a deal breaker for you? I'm afraid so. Me too. Well, we gave it a shot. I'm sure you'll find a better match. Thanks for the time. Yeah, this is this is one of my favorite moments in the whole episode. Like, I just really enjoy... I like quick humor like that. that yes. Like, there's not a punchline. It's just quirky or I don't know what it is. It's rapid like, fire. Yeah, like, a lot of the things you find funny in this show, I don't find funny because they feel like, brunch. Yeah. You know? And Set like, up punchline. Yeah, like, I don't like I don't like stuff like that, but I like I like banter like this. Snappy dialogue. Yeah, and there's no punchline to it. There's no, like, gotcha yeah. at the end. And... There are beats within it that are funny. Right. But it doesn't... It's not all building to one punchline and then and have a big drop well, And you off. have to stay caught up. Like, you yes. know, like it, it, it asks of you to like, stay with me. I'm going to go quick. And if you lose it, like, nope, too bad. Yeah. Like, there's no spoon feeding. Like, here's the joke. Like, <laughs> you yeah, know. I hear you. So, yeah. I like, this is my favorite. It didn't make me laugh out loud, but I was like, oh, it was really satisfying to watch. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting for me to keep in mind. Apparently the deal breaker between them is vacations. Melanie just does not want to go to Hawaii in December, which really that's what you're hung up on. Okay. I wouldn't want that. You wouldn't want to go to Hawaii in December? Not every December. Why? If someone was like every Christmas for the rest of your life, you're going to be in Hawaii. No, thank you. Did never have snow on Christmas. So it's cold. It's Hawaii in December. You wouldn't necessarily have to do it on Christmas. I guess the implication in my mind is Christmas. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I guess you, it was not clear about that. But like, sure. if you were like, every December from December 5th to December 15th, we're going to be in Hawaii. I'd be like, yeah. I mean, great. I assume we have a lot of money. Yeah, that's not an object here, apparently. And I, didn't have to, I don't have to use like my limited vacation for that time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. In the next scene, Mr. James is still considering other options on his uh, wife candidate list, including Mrs. Fields, the cookie lady, and Mrs. Paul, the fish stick lady. <laughs> I really thought they were going to also reference Mrs. Butterworth. But <laughs> uh, Lisa comes back into Dave's office. She hated the whole thing, as Dave knew she would, but he had to go and be supportive. I love the way that Matthew comes in 
and talks to Lisa. He puts his hand on hers and says, Lisa, enough. This is tearing us apart. I didn't realize my promotion was going to throw the whole power structure out of whack. Listen, I'm, I'm stepping down, but only if you come back. Matthew, you got it. Thank God, this whole experience was starting to turn me into... into someone I didn't like very much. It's really sweet. Mr. James decides he's going to get Lisa profiled in the Washington Post. Bob Woodward owes him a favor, and Matthew's like, well, what, were you, like, deep throat or something? And Mr. James pointedly does not answer. That's definitely a... That is a recurring joke on the show. Okay. Yep. The idea that uh, Mr. James might, in fact, be Deep Throat. This is back before we knew who it was. Mm-hmm. I think there's a funny little sort of meta joke there where Mr. James mentions Faye Dunaway as a potential wife. And Lisa says, are you sure you want to marry an actress? That's kind of a funny joke coming from Maura Tierney, who herself is an actress. Oh, I guess. I guess I didn't really think about that. Yeah. Beth comes into the office and Lisa gives her a souvenir from MTV. It's a Beavis and Butthead t-shirt. I know you like Beavis and Butthead. I think this is I do like Beavis and Butthead. sharp contrast in our tastes is it, it never appealed to me. Oh. Um, I don't care for it. Beavis and Butthead do America. That is a movie I should watch. Mm. I love that movie. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's not true. What can I say? I like, I like highbrow humor. <laughs> <laughs> All I could think was that t-shirt would be huge on Beth. Oh, yeah. It so clearly is not her size. Yeah. Also, it's a really just cheap, ugly-looking T-shirt. Yeah. It wasn't a good T-shirt. Yep. When I was in sixth grade, which is right about this time, maybe just a little bit later, I had people in my class who wanted me to draw things for them because mm-hmm. I was, like, a little bit good at drawing. Sure. And somebody asked me to draw Beavis and Butthead and then got mad because it didn't look like them because it looked too much like a real person. <laughs> I don't know if I ever told you that. I actually have kind of a funny Beavis and Butthead story. I don't know if I've ever told you. Hmm. So at the first school I ever taught at, I had two students that wanted to paint. So I had some large glass areas in my department that sometimes we would paint with tempera paint because it's washable and it's easy and it was really visible. So I had kids that would do different like murals or whatever. And I had two kids that asked if they could do Beavis and Butthead. And this school was relatively conservative And so I had gone to the principal and just been like, hey, just is it cool if we do this? And they were holding cans in the picture that the kids were referencing to draw from. And I remember the principal being like, yeah, you just can't put on the can like beer or something like that. It can just be it could be a soda can or whatever. So I was like, "Okay," And I gave them permission. They put it up. Um, And keep in mind, like this is all removable. Like you wash it off the glass with paint or with soap and water. And they did a great job. It looked really good. Like, it was proportionate. They did a nice job with it. The day after it went up, I got a note in my mailbox from an unsigned colleague that said that it needed to be taken down because it was inappropriate. And I remember being like, what? (laughs) And also, keep in mind, this is like 2007? Yeah. 2008? Like, Beavis and Butthead has not been even a thing right. for close to a decade at that point. Right. Right? But I didn't want to, you know, you don't want to ruffle feathers. It's a small school. It's your first I, year. 
It was one of my first... I mean, sure. I wasn't there for a long time, but it was like... Rural Midwest. Yeah, I don't know that it was my first year, but it was like... I still felt very new on sure. staff. And I remember feeling like, oh no, what do I do? And I took the note to the principal. Yeah. Because I was like, I don't want to... Like, what do I do? And to this day, I still give him all the respect. He was such a great administrator and he was like... I don't put any stock into unsigned notes. Mm. He was like, they didn't sign their name to it. I'm throwing it away. Yeah. And I was like, damn straight. Yeah, nice. Okay. So it stayed up. And it was up for, I don't know, maybe a month or so. And to this day, I'm pretty sure I know who it was. Yeah. Who do you think it was? I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to cut it out. I can cut it out. She was just kind of a... She was a Karen. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was, like, an older lady in our department, in our school, that was, had a stick up her ass about things. And I, and I was, like, the newer, younger teacher and letting the kids get away with disrespectful blah, 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 you know, whatever. But, yeah, I just, I've, it has always stuck with me, my principal saying, like, they didn't sign their name to it, so they don't want to have a conversation about this, so we're, I'm throwing it away. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not going to do something based on this unsigned note. Yeah. And I, it has made me think a lot about, even as an adult now, like, you know, if I want to speak up and say something, then, like, I need to put my name on it. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're going to be anonymous, it, that's cowardly. Mm -hmm. And so there you go. There's my Beavis and Butthead story. Ah, interesting. <laughs> All right. The very last thing is that Melanie comes into the office to say goodbye. There's a really nice little moment between her and Mr. James where he says, it was nice almost getting married to you. And then Bill sort of nudges him and says, hey, try my move. And so he does. He whispers into Melanie's ear. All I can think is whatever he said, he said it really quickly. Like he didn't whisper into her ear for more than five seconds. No. And she says, we can try it. Yeah. How dirty could it be if you can only describe it in five seconds? I can think of some things you can say pretty quickly in less than five seconds. Yeah, but are any of them, like, maybe we have different conceptions of, like, what dirty is. <laughs> Apparently dirty for you is detailed. Yeah. <laughs> the dirt is in the details. I guess it is for you. Uh, so, anyway, she says, yeah, I have two hours before my flight. Let's Two hours, though. That's, that's an investment. Well, traffic. I guess. I guess time to check in. Yeah. Check on the minibar. <laughs> right. Anyway, there's kind of a smug smile on Bill's face, and that is the end of the episode. I did want to point out, and credit goes to you on this, when the credits come up, the very first credit is coordinating producer. It's actually the first credit after they fade to black. You're right. Because they have the executive producers on while there's, the characters are still on screen. You're right. But yeah, that was a good catch. I'd never noticed that. All right. Now it's time for... <laughs> the 90s. All right, this is a lot. I don't think I even got a full list. I mean, I lost count at a certain points. So I just did a few. I kind of did too. I feel like I named everything that was a 90s reference as we went through it. So yeah. MTV, Anthrax, Kurt Loder, Tabitha Sorin, Beavis and Butthead, Lisa Loeb, VJs, including Kennedy. The um, Unabomber. The Unabomber. I wrote down Spaz. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. Mm -hmm. Like, I think... Has that tipped over into something you're not supposed to say? I don't know. You work in a high school. You tell me. If one student called another a spaz. It would not It would not hit my ear as something I need to 
like monitor mm-hmm. or correct. I can think of a similar word. Right. That starts with an R. Right. The R word. That was totally acceptable when I was in high school. Right. And now it is not. Has become completely unacceptable. So right. I wondered if spaz was like that. That's the only thing I can think of. I, I think also if there are certain students, if you said it to, it would be taken in a context that's really not okay. Sure. But if you said it to a kid who was being really hyperactive or just really, like, amped up. Yeah. Like, I spazzed out or something. Like, I could imagine my students saying something like that. I was thinking about whether I would say that to our kids, and I don't think I would. I don't think I would be like, hey, you're being a spaz. No, because it feels like... Why are you being such a spaz? No, I wouldn't... Because it feels like name-calling. I feel like... And then it's also not... It's not descriptive language that helps them understand what their behavior is. Yeah. So... I just wondered. Um, Also, I just don't hear it anymore. No. Like, it might just be 90s slang that's gone away. Yeah. We said it all the time in high school, I know. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like I said more like, I spazzed out, or she's, like, spazzy... I don't think I, I don't think girls call each other a spaz. <laughs> well, I bet boys are more spazzes. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we we said that all the time. Like, why are you being such a spaz? Yeah. I feel it was more like, oh my god, he called me and I spazzed out. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, the other ones I wanted to point out: uh, the Reverend Sung Young Moon, which is again right. a seventies reference that's getting called back in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Sorry, there was one more. Oh, I had it. It's gone. Oh, well, if we missed any and you want to point it out to us, feel free to reach out. Game. And now it's time for... The Game! No promises on the quality of this game. I came up with it in approximately 20 minutes. Great. I'm into it. I know. You love the trivia. You love being on the receiving end of trivia. I like both. Okay. The category tonight for trivia is 90s MTV shows. Nice. <laughs> Are All you right. excited? Yeah. Okay. Crap. This is going to be too easy then. I don't know that I'm super knowledgeable here. Hmm. I think you'll do well. Maybe I'm overrating my confidence. I didn't make them super hard. Is so. one of them Buzzkill? No. <laughs> I don't know what that is. I referenced that a few episodes ago. Uh, Buzzkill is that kind of like prank show, kind of like the Impractical oh, Jokers. Oh, yes. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that was it. Question one. This longtime MTV VJ hosted Total Request Live when it premiered in 1998. That would be Carson Daly. Very good. Yeah, that was good. Question number two, which MTV series featured celebrities giving house tours? Uh, MTV's Cribs. <laughs> Very good. Did you know that they're doing a um, reboot of it? Are they really? Yeah, like this year. I'd watch that. We don't have MTV, but I would watch that. Hmm. I want to see fancy houses. Although actually now that I'm a grown up, I think it would just piss me off. And I, I would be like, would. how can you maintain three pools or an aquarium the size of... A 5,000 gallon aquarium or like maintaining those things or how do you heat or air condition a house that size? <laughs> Who needs 12 bathrooms? I think I would just have some class resentment where it's mm-hmm. like you're a hip hop producer. You live in a 5,000 square foot 
house in Southern California. Mm-hmm. And my wife and I both have jobs that actually contribute to the good of the world. <laughs> and <laughs> we're just barely getting by being, you know, middle class. I mean, hip hop producers, we need them. Like, that's an art form. It, it's true. I'm not saying Music it's not an art form. Music is important. I'm not saying it's not an art form. I'm just saying... We all value things differently. I would agree more if it was like, you're an NFL athlete. Yeah, they were on MTV Cribs, too. I know. Yeah. I know. Or like a politician. Yeah. Yeah. All right, question number three. What weekly talk show was hosted by Adam Carolla and Dr. Drew Pinsky? Oh, that would be... Oh, I haven't thought about this in a long time. I can give you a hint. No, let me think about it for a second. Oh, wow. <laughs> the name is just totally not in my head. Yeah. I can see the set. Yeah. I can talk about it more. Maybe it'll help. Yeah. So this was a radio call-in show hosted by Dr. Drew Pinsky. It was like a national call-in radio show. Yeah. And then MTV made it into a weekly talk show that Dr. Drew actually came on with Adam Carolla and they made it into like an audience participation. Okay. Format. Yeah. You're going to say it and I'm going to... Burst into tears. (laughs) Beat myself up that I can't remember it. Um, It's something like... Oh man, I don't even want to guess. It's like... Love bites. <laughs> and it's like a, got a, the logo's got a heart that's shaped like an apple with a bite taken out of it. Now I'm just pitching something new. I know. Sorry, go yeah. ahead. What is it? Love line. Love line. Okay. You were so close. Question number four. Who was arguably the most well-known host of MTV News? Kurt Loder. Yeah too easy and i didn't realize that like oh yeah in the episode they even say his name (laughs) i was like oh hmm." well there we go which we haven't heard from him in years is he still alive do you know i don't know huh i have no idea okay i will refrain from looking that up thank you (laughs) question number five what show ran for five years and featured stop motion claymation oh that would be celebrity deathmatch yes very good I watched that show, but I I hate Claymation. <laughs> yeah, I actually don't hate Claymation, but that was another one they tried to revamp a few years ago. Yeah, I think you just... It I, didn't go. I think that is completely out of the zeitgeist, mm-hmm. isn't it? The one that annoyed me, or maybe the point where I was like, I can't watch this anymore, was, you know, they would announce sure. who was going to be fighting or whatever. Yeah, like yeah. a three-way competition between like 60s rockers or something, and they just showed a little clip. And it was somebody being electrocuted. And I was like, oh, I get it. The joke is going to be Dylan goes electric. And I feel like I had been like three steps ahead. And I was like, oh, okay. Like I figured it out. Like I I don't even know what, I don't need to watch this show anymore. Because like if I'm smart enough to figure that out from the, from the teaser, Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, we get it. Hmm. That was weird. Maybe that's just me bragging, but. Whatever. Question number six. What performance on MTV and Unplugged resulted in the best-selling live album of all time? Ooh, great question. Would that be Eric Clapton? It is. Okay. And what's the name of the album? Eric Clapton, Unplugged? Unplugged, yeah. That's a great album. (laughs) I know, my dad owned it. Yes. Yeah. His acoustic version of Layla was really popular. Yeah, it's funny, if you listen to that track on the album, 
you can hear the point where people start to recognize what song it is. Yeah. Because the, like, the guitar solo at the beginning mm-hmm. or the, like, the intro is, like, so much slower that people right. don't even know what they're listening to. It's yeah. really fun. Yeah. I actually didn't know. I actually thought that the unplugged version of Layla was the song Layla. Oh, I didn't hear for that. For years and years and years. And I didn't know the other, like, original version of Layla same. until I was, like, in my 20s. Yeah, same. Yeah. And same with um, Tears in Heaven. Yeah. I didn't know the original version until I, like, years after I had heard the unplugged version. To be honest, I don't know that I know the original Tears in Heaven. In my mind, the canonical one is the unplugged one, but maybe that's... Well, after this is done, we can listen to both. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> and maybe <we> cry. <laughs> I will also say that um, Nirvana's Unplugged is an amazing album. Yeah, I will. But I was looking up information about this. The Nirvana Unplugged album is was one of the only bands that I guess and I don't know it off the top of my head, but like they didn't do their own stuff. They did covers of other. Is that accurate? Like they, they did, did both. They did some of their own, but then they did covers of other people too. They covered David Bowie. Right. They brought out. I don't. I don't know the album. Well oh enough. yeah, that's one I know very well. But but um, that hadn't been done before in these unplugged sessions. I guess huh. like they were the first group to not just play their own original stuff. Huh. Yeah, they um, covered. Um, they covered David Bowie. They covered Lead Bellies. Where do you? Where did you sleep last night? Yeah. Hmm. That's a thing apparently I wanted to talk about because yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean unplug it's a it's a great idea yeah you know question number seven where was the first season of the real world set New York yeah where was the second season set L A I don't think so <laughs> I actually don't know <laughs> yeah so the first like five or six are like New York. L, New York, Miami, Boston, Seattle, and then from there, I kind of lost it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's California. It was in L.A. So I got it right. The question was the first season, not the second. Okay, but I got the... Uh, <laughs> I got the... You uh, want a bonus point? The pointless... The, the pointless second bonus point. Exactly. There you go. I got that right. <laughs> Oh, these are going to be so easy. All right, this next one. We're just having fun. It's fine. This is fun. This is fun. <laughs> Question number eight. You might not know this one. At the 1994 MTV Music Video Awards, what did Michael Jackson do on stage that shocked viewers? He kissed his wife. He kissed um, uh, Elvis Presley's daughter. Um, I can't remember her name. I can remember her mom's name, Priscilla, but I can't remember her <laughs> name. <laughs> Lisa Marie Presley? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, yeah, they, like, kissed passionately, and everybody was like, oh, God. And it wasn't even, I mean, it wasn't, like, it, like, really stilted and weird and yes. uncomfortable. I mean, it was, like, passionate, but a weird passionate. Oh, oh my God. Do you remember what he said? No. He made some comment that was, like, are they kicking out? And I was like, and they said this wouldn't last. And then, <sighs> like, I mean, they lasted, like, a year and a half. <sighs> Let's see how fast you can get this number nine. Question number nine. Beavis and Butthead spawned what spinoff series? King of the Hill? No. Daria. There it is. So, yes. So Daria was a student in their class. I believe the same guy, Mike Judge. Yes. Went on to do King of the Hill. Yes. And there are characters on the on Beavis and Butthead, I believe, who are reminiscent of Hank Hill. Like, use that same sort of, like, slow Texan voice. But they're not the same 
Because even like Hang of the Hill is Texas. Well, where's Beavis and Butthead's at? Not Texas. Okay. I think they're all on like the East Coast somewhere. Aren't they in like New Jersey or something? I think Daria's set in like Massachusetts. Yeah. Okay, so don't give me that point because I think I should have thought about it for another few seconds before I answered. I'll keep that point. Okay. I'll keep it. (laughs) Question number 10. What anthology series that ran from 1999 to 2002 was controversial for its frank discussions about and depictions of sex and promiscuous behavior between teens as well as same-sex relationships? Mm. Do you remember those? It wasn't on for very long, but it was pretty racy when it was. I remember it. So it was a documentary series? It's called an anthology series. Oh, was it Undressed? Yeah. I watched that. That came on very late at night. Yeah. And one thing I liked about it was that the little stories would, like, lead into each other. Right. So, like, there would, right. be a, and there would be a story about two people, you know, in a relationship or whatever, and then one of their best friends would be at the very tail end of that, mm-hmm. and then it would be about that guy and somebody else, you right, know? Right, right. Um, I always liked the way the sort of narratives got woven through mm-hmm. like that, yeah. Yeah, that was a good show. I mean, it was like, uh, I don't know if it was good, but it feels like it was important. <laughs> yeah. You I know, think... like, like I, I mean, when that age, like, I was right smack in high school, and, like, when I did not have adults talking to me, mm-hmm. and I didn't have, like, internet available to me to learn, it's like I needed something to be like... Yeah to see any type of representation or hear anyone talk about anything related to sex that was, like, unbiased and frank and matter-of-fact. Mm. And, you know, like, that was a show that did that. Yeah. So, you did great. You got eight. Eight points. Out of ten. For Jordan. 90s MTV shows. I'm glad you liked that category so much. Yeah. That was fun. That was a nice trip down memory lane. Yeah. I couldn't remember if you got to, I mean, because I don't think either of us got to watch a lot of MTV, but, like, we didn't have MTV at my house. Right. So where did you watch these things, to the extent that you're familiar with any of them? Friends' houses? Probably friends' houses. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we had cable when I was in high school. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we you did have, have cable. You might have gotten cable in high Maybe school. Maybe we got cable when I was in high school. Yeah. Huh. All right. Well, thanks for that. That was fun. Yeah. All right, now is the point in the show where we rate the episode. Kayleen, on a scale from one to five meaningless promotions. <laughs> what um, would you give this episode? 3.1. 3.1? Yeah. Okay, do you want to elaborate? It was a little better than fine. I liked that it had different plot lines going. Yeah, it's, I mean, the opposite of last week's where it was all about Bill's right. autobiography. right. Yeah, I'm going to give this one a 4.1. Oh, you really liked it. I did like it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like that everybody had things going on. Um, I think each of the individual subplots was funny in their own ways. I feel like we're getting into the version of news radio that I remember fondly. Hmm. Like, we're no longer in the doldrums of season one or even early season two where it's sort of like, what is this? Like... I am very relieved that we have taken, or seemed at least to have taken, Dave and Lisa's relationship out of the, like, plot fodder. Mm. 
I just found that to be so insufferable to be like, oh, here's another plot line where Lisa's insecure or something about their relationship or people don't know they're dating or it was just like, sure. it felt like they really tugged on that plot line yeah. a lot. And I was just like, either do something with this or don't. But like, I don't care about their relationship. And now it feels like I can sit with like, oh, they're dating or whatever. And it doesn't. It doesn't feel like it needs to go anywhere now because they're not constantly having some relationship drama. Well, yeah, it, they're still dating. It hasn't gone away, but a lot of the pressure is off now that everybody in the office knows, too. It's not... Right. Yeah, I I know that you found that kind of annoying, the, like, trying to keep a secret from everybody in the office, too. Well, it just felt like, why is... Like, it just felt like this is the plot every time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like... And if, if you're going to make that the plot, then make it go somewhere. Sure. You know, and like it wasn't going to go. That's why I said at the very beginning, like in season one, I'm like, they acted like their relationship was going to be like the progression of their relationship was going to be some interesting thing that we were going to watch. And then I'm like, OK, then make it that or then take it off the table as a thing that we are supposed to care about. Yeah, <laughs> you it's, know, it's well in the back burner now. Right. So like, right. it's still there, like part of what. Dave is upset about is that he's worried Lisa's going to find another job and leave because he likes working with her because he likes her. But it could also just be he doesn't want to lose an employee. Exactly. And that's nice. It's not integral. Right. Like if you just watch this as your first episode, the only way you would even know that they're dating is I think she kisses him once. Yep. That's it. Yeah. Now is the point in the episode where we recommend. Oh, yes. Kayleen, would you like to go first or would you like me to? You go. I had one. I I have to remember what it was. All right. I have two recommendations. They are not related, except in the sense that they could both plausibly be Christmas gifts because they're $25, $20 and under-ish. The first one is an AeroPress. Oh. So a few years ago, Kayleen got me an AeroPress, which is a single-serving espresso coffee maker. And it makes some of the best coffee I have ever had. Hmm. I can't overstate how good the coffee you get out of the AeroPress is. It's really good. I thought you were going to say, I can't overstate how snobby I am about my coffee preferences. (laughs) (sighs) I I cannot overstate how picky I am. I am a little bit snobby about my coffee. I have many different ways to make coffee. Yes. I tend to just do the drip coffee maker in the morning because we both put it in our mugs and take it to work it's more about quantity than quality for us in the mornings but it's it's still it's, it's about still speed good. yeah it's about speed and efficiency <laughs> yeah but like i mean we like you grind the beans and like mm-hmm. it's a decent coffee maker and yeah it does the job yeah so what i want to say is that you probably you dear listener probably have somebody in your life who is a coffee aficionado And uh, if they do not have an AeroPress, this would be a good gift to give them. Like I said, it makes really delicious coffee. It's very easy to use, and it makes a delicious single cup of coffee. I have heard that it is useful for travel because Mm. there's not much to it. And the cleanup is really easy. You just pop out the grounds, Mm -hmm. and it's like a little hockey puck coffee grounds. The most you have to do is, like, rinse it. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. So that is the AeroPress, spelled A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S. I think I've seen them at Target. Like, they're everywhere. My other recommendation is a book that I'm reading. It's called Piranesi by Susanna Clark. Susanna Clark is the author of Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, which came out a few years ago. Both of them are 
kind of fantasy in the sense that there are magical, strange things that happen, but it also lines up or parallels with our world. So it's not a completely, you know, it's not the Wheel of Time. (laughs) It's not something completely fantastic and removed from our existence. So the premise of this book is that you open with this narrator who lives in a gigantic, sprawling art museum, basically. Mm. Uh, Several different floors, and on the lower floors there are these, there's a gigantic ocean. And the tides come and go and sweep through in, you know, sort of unpredictable ways. And if you go to the upper floors, there's clouds. And no matter how far you go in any direction, you never sort of reach the end of it. So the art museum is coextensive with the world for all this character can tell. And he seems to be the only person in the world, except one other person who he calls the other. And uh, they're vaguely sort of friends. And this person has learned to exist and survive in this world which has these many halls that have these gigantic statues that are kind of like weird and creepy and menacing um and it sounds of, like a nightmare i know and that's what i really liked about it so i think i have kind of preferred the first half as opposed to the second half where we get more of the sort of understanding of who this person is and where they fit into the world but i would say that it's an excellent book for the kind of person who's maybe fantasy skeptical or not a hardcore like fantasy sci-fi person like I am because there is that connection with the real world and there are no trolls there are no dragons no trolls no dragons no wizards are there any swords I mean I'm sure some of the statues wield swords But it's not fantasy in a typical sense. It's just creepy and weird and fantastical and mysterious. Surreal? It's very surreal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would call it, um, it reminds me of like DeShirico paintings. Right. Yeah, that's what I was going to. Yeah, if that's mm-hmm. a helpful reference for mm-hmm. anybody in the world besides you and me. DeShirico is a super famous surrealist. Okay. I mean, if somebody likes surrealism, they probably, I mean, the obvious, the most obvious is Dolly, but the mm-hmm. next is probably DeShirico. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So anyway, I would definitely recommend checking out this book. The nice comparison with uh, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell is that it's way, way shorter. I like big, long books, so I liked Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, which is like five, six, seven hundred pages. Like, no problem. Give me that. This is more like 200, so very manageable. If you if this sort of thing sounds interesting to you or you know somebody who you think might like it, both might make good presents. All right, well, you inspired me. Now I have two recommendations. Okay. Because it is the holiday season, and you may be looking for a gift. And so then I thought, what's my go-to gift? Yeah. What is it, Jordan? Candle. (laughs) Oh, my God. If you have never Googled the SNL candle song sketch. It is is, a gem. I'm going to, I laugh, cry cry laugh mm-hmm. watching it every time oh now it's gonna be in my head we gotta watch it we'll watch yep. it right after this. that's my recommendation watch the google snl re-gift candle yes. song sketch mm-hmm. no no you know this what have i given as a gift many you know maybe you don't remember the zoji rushi uh, yes. travel mug yes so zoji rushi is a company out of japan they make a bunch of different products, like rice cookers and... I have a coffee pot. Yeah, coffee yeah. pot. They make small appliances, yeah. I guess. 
but they make these travel mugs and they are unbelievable. They are the best. They are indestructible. I don't know if I ever told you this, but I was playing with a friend this summer and their child. Yeah. And it was one of those things where you're just like, I need to keep this kid busy. I don't know what to do with them. And so I started playing fetch with the kid with my Zoji Roshi mm. <laughs> travel mug, throwing it like on ground, like on the concrete. And it got like scratched up, but like totally fine. It still works. It's great. It keeps hot beverages hot, but it also keeps cold beverages cold. I don't know if you ever put cold things in yours, but I it do. does keep them cold. Yeah. And I also feel like there's a lot of, you know, insulated mugs. Not like Yeti is a thing that mm-hmm. people really like or whatever. Or the Hydro Flask is mm-hmm. one people like. But I go for the Zojirushi. Yeah. It's spelled Z-O-J-I-R-U-S-H-I. Which apparently means elephant in Japanese. Well, that would make sense because their logo is an elephant. Mm-hmm. But I've gotten mine just off of Amazon. Uh, they're like 20, 25 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just like the way they feel in my hand. I like the way the top pops open. I like the way it feels in my mouth when I drink beverages out of them. Mm. They're easy to clean. I like the colors they come in. Mm-hmm. I just, I've had one. Uh, I've actually had two Zojirushi mugs. I put one in the dishwasher too many times until Jordan finally convinced me that you're not supposed to dishwash them. Yep. I had to learn the hard way. Um, but then I got another one and you hand wash it and then it lasts forever. Um, but they're just fantastic. So if you need a gift for somebody, especially if it's like a, I could imagine this would be a really good gift for like, I need to get a gift for my sister's boyfriend who I don't really know, or like get a gift for my boss or a gift for my neighbor who like, I don't really know, but I don't really want to spend 50 bucks on, but $10 doesn't seem like enough. And I don't really know what they're into. Like, I mean, you got it for your dad. Mm -hmm. I think it's a perfect father-in-law gift. Yeah. Like, I have no idea what to get for my father-in-law. I know he likes coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I will yeah. give him a Zojirushi. And I don't want to get him, like, actual coffee. Yeah. So, anyway, your AeroPress thought made me think of that. That's another good it's recommendation. A, it's, yeah. a good, it's a good present. Uh, the other thing I want to recommend is such a small little dumb thing, but I love it. Pop sockets. Mm. On my phone. I can't hold my phone without a pop socket. And maybe mm. I sound like an old lady saying that, but I don't understand why anyone would not have a pop socket on the back of their phone. Yeah. It makes it so much easier to hold it. I don't ever Can you ever explain drop. what one is? Just for- Oh, yeah. So if you don't know what a pop socket is, it's sort of like a expandable disc that you stick on the back of your phone and it extends out slightly so that you can get a better grip onto your phone. It also works as a nice little kickstand. So if you want to like have your phone upright on a tabletop or something to like take a photograph, um, it works great for that. Plus I have a little attachment I got on Amazon for like six bucks. It sticks on my car and then I can put my phone up on the dash, like hang it off my pop socket and then if I, you know, need to, when I call you, I don't have to fumble for my phone. It's not in the console in the middle. It's just right there. If I have to look at a map or whatever, I just think pop sockets are so fantastic. Mm. Especially now that phones are so thin and slick. Yeah. I, I, people almost drop their phones all the time. Yeah. So get a pop socket, put it on the back of your phone. The adhesive on it is awesome because you stick it and it really holds. Yeah. But I also know that I could peel it off and it wouldn't leave a residue on the back of it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Best of both worlds. It is the best of both worlds. <laughs> so there you go. Doji Rushi mug, pop socket. Excellent. Yeah. Happy holidays. 
So the last thing I want to say before we leave is... I don't often say this because I kind of find it a little bit annoying when podcasts do this a lot, but if you're enjoying our show, please uh, take a minute to share it on social media, tell somebody else you know who likes news radio, or just likes 90s things, (laughs) must-see TV and NBC in the 90s, uh, that sort of thing, or please do leave a review on the Apple Podcast Store, Um, that's a great way to get our podcast more well-known and help us find other people who like it. So if you're enjoying it, leave a podcast review. And if you hate it, leave quietly. (laughs) If you hate it, there's the door. What what are you doing still listening to us? Yeah, really, get out of here. We're not really sure why you listen to us in the first place. (laughs) Do you think there's anybody who hate listens to our podcast? I mean... I'll just be honest, if I found somebody from, like, college or high school who I thought was stupid or annoying or whatever, and I found out they had a podcast, I would totally listen to it and, like, rag on it in my mind. Oh, I've hate listened to podcasts. (laughs) I've hate listened to hours and hours of podcasts. Really? Mm -hmm. Oh, man. I'll tell you later. Okay. I can guess who it is. So if you are somebody listening to me or Jordan and you knew us in high school or college or at a former job and you're just listening because you're like, what is happening in your life now? Yeah. This is what we're doing. We're still in the world. We're okay. (laughs) For those of you just waiting to see me fail... Get comfortable. It's going to be a while. (laughs) Anyway, that was a long way of saying, like, "Ah, if you like this, please share it, uh, like it, subscribe to it. We shared the link on our Christmas card this year. We did. Uh, Yeah, and I've been... Aunt Jan, are you listening? (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. We shared it with our neighbors. Do you realize that? Yeah. Anyway. Shout out. Shout out. Shout out to our neighbors. (laughs) next time, we will be watching Season 2, Episode 9, entitled The Cane. The Cane? Like, six things just came into my head. Okay. Like, a candy cane. (laughs) And an old person walking with a cane. Uh Uh-huh. Or somebody, like, getting the cane. Like, getting beat. getting caned. Like, in Singapore. (laughs) Right, I know. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have any guesses? No. Okay. I've learned to not guess. Because sometimes I'm ac- sometimes it's accurate and sometimes it's not. Yep, and you have told me you don't want to hear anything, so I'm nope. not going to tell you no, anything. No, I don't want to hear anything. Great, it will be a surprise. Great. Uh, I think that's it for WKJP News Radio. This is Jordan and Kayleen signing off. The theme music for WKJP News Radio is the song "You Say But You Don't Know" by the band Troubles Afoot. You can check them out on Spotify. Bandcamp, Apple Music, or wherever you find new music. Special thanks to Uncle Keith for our use of equipment and technical support. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, you can reach out to us at WKJPPod on Twitter or Instagram. You can also email us at WKJPPod at gmail.com. If you like our show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts to help us find other listeners like you. Thanks so much for listening.